Davis. Thanks for tuning in. This is Love What I Love, a podcast where we beg our partner to love something we do, whether it be a movie, TV show, or anything in between. We're your hosts, Masha and Andy. And this week, we're talking about Funny Girl. Girl is a dramedy musical loosely based on the real-life Broadway and film star Fanny Bryce. The movie centers around Fanny reflecting on her rise to fame and her relationship with gambler and love interest Nikki Arnstein. Nikki Arnstein, Nikki Arnstein, what a beautiful, beautiful name. <laughs> I didn't remember the second part. Oh. <laughs> I was wondering why your face has gone blank. I only saw it once. I mean, fair enough. Funny Girl stars Barbara Streisand, uh, her film debut, by the way. Whoa. But she was reprising her Broadway role as Fanny Bryce in uh, Funny Girl. I, I, knew, I knew there was no way this wasn't on, on stage before it was a movie. Uh, I mean, yeah. possible. I mean, it was in the opening credits as well. Oh. Also starring Omar Sharif. Wait, does he play Nikki Onstein, Nikki Onstein? <laughs> yes. Okay. That's him. It's also starring Kay Medford and Walter Pigeon, as well as Anne Francis. Oh. But, I mean, really, the movie kind of centers around Barbara Streisand and Omar, if yeah. I'm being, if, you know. Oh, yeah, that's, that's the leads. Funny Girl was released in 1968, ended up being the highest grossing film of that year, making $58.5 million with Damn. a $14 million budget. All right, sweet. Right? I actually couldn't, I was trying to figure out when this came out, because you know, I, I don't look up any of this information beforehand. Yeah. So I'm like, is this early 70s? Like, early 60s? Like, what the, you know? And then for some reason, I thought you said your pick was going to be from the 50s. So I was like, there's no way this is the 50s. <laughs> yeah, but. I know. Well, well, so for you listeners, my challenge was I was trying to find a film that was made, I think, before Night of the Hunter, which came out in the 50s. In 58. Yeah, so I was like, oh, I have a movie that came out before then. And then, of course, you know, Funny Girl did not, yeah. but... Still, I think the oldest film I've chosen for the podcast. Oh, big time. So Funny Girl was directed by William Wyler, who is known for Ben-Hur. Nice. And it was produced by Ray Stark, who just happens to be Fanny Bryce's son-in-law. Whoa. I so I'm, I guess I'll just interject now. I had no idea Fanny Bryce was a real person. Yeah. And I have to be honest, I did not know she was a real person for years, um, you know, after seeing this film for the first time. Uh-huh. So you're not alone there. Damn. She was a real person. And, you know, Nikki Arnstein was a real person, although I think his name was Julius something. Uh-huh. I, I think his last name was Arnstein. <laughs> I did research on this, I swear. <laughs> but... He was a real person. He was her second husband. It's just, like I said, loosely based Standard on her biopic life. fair. Like, yeah. You know, you're not, 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 not going to learn the true story, but you get an idea of who the person was. Yeah, yeah. And I think Ray Stark, her son-in-law, did a pretty good job in balancing it out. And I think also, as a producer, did a good job of trying to diffuse as many feuds as possible oh, in, in terms of portraying people who were not great yeah. <laughs> you know and trying to spin that to make an entertaining film so i can talk about that throughout as we're talking about the movie cool cool it's i'm actually surprised at myself for not knowing who fanny bryce is because i don't know much about singers and stuff from this era but mm-hmm. with all my comedian research i'm surprised she doesn't come up like you know, I've I've read like history of comedy books and I've gone right through my vaudeville and the stars and like oh wow and I was just like maybe maybe it did come up and it just didn't stick because there's so many names in some of those books 
but I don't know. I, I would have thought that maybe there would have been more of a big deal made about it since there's multiple iterations of this, and you know, this is not a, this is not an unfamous movie. Yeah, for sure. So. And you know, some of the, some of the songs that Barbara sings in this film are songs that she is known for. So yeah, that is interesting that she never came yeah. up. The writer Isabel Lennart. She wrote this as a screenplay first and foremost. Oh, really? Yeah. So I think what happened was. She wrote it as a screenplay. Someone came in and was like, this would work better as a stage performance. They did that, and then they eventually turned it into a movie. So That's she did funny. a lot of writing and re-editing and all that. It is. It's funny, too, because actually now that I know it's like a biopic about a real person, it kind of frames a little bit of this for me more. Because I don't know. We're, I know we've obviously made movies about people's lives for a long time, but like the phrase biopic and kind of the thing that we think about today the trend definitely came way later than this movie. Like, I don't remember mm. a lot of them coming out in the 60s. There was some in the 70s, like John Carpenter made an Elvis movie that I remember. And not saying that, yeah, I'm not saying it never happened, but, you know, when I'm thinking of, you know, the 80s is when it hit hard and then, you know, into the 2000s with the Rays and the Walk the Lines. And right. Like, but so, even then, like, those are all about men. Like, I feel like this being about a woman, like you were saying, yeah, yeah. is pretty special. No, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty special, but I just mean in the, the way you make a biopic, like, there's cliches and and mm. just kind of like standard things we expect to see and i saw a lot of it in this but because it was 1968 i was like oh shit are we like <laughs> breaking new ground here or something you yeah. know so i thought that was pretty cool and of course this is a musical so i have to mention you know music by jules stein and bob merrill gotta give the credit where credit is due you know what i mean yeah so this film actually received about eight academy award nominations God, only took away one um, which I did not know this, but Barbara Streisand took home the Academy Award of Best Actress, mm -hmm. but she took it home along with Katherine Hepburn. So it was the first and I think only time there's been a tie oh, for dear. Best Actress. I've never, yeah, I had no idea there was ever a tie. Are you serious? <laughs> I didn't know that either. I even like watched the footage. Like, <laughs> wow. So did they like both come up and accept it at the same time? Yeah. That's funny. What was Katherine Hepburn in? She won an Oscar for The Line in the Winter. Oh, uh, okay. i never seen that. And, oh. yeah, and also thinking about it, Breakfast at Tiffany's was, I think, like 61, 2, like early 60s. Also, I didn't say Aubrey Hepburn. I said oh. Catherine. Uh, then I'm fucking everything up. Never mind. I'm mixing up Hepburns. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, Nobody's well. perfect, folks. No. The movie was nominated for eight Academy Award nominations, and the Broadway musical happened to also be nominated for eight Tonys. So they've got a trend there with the number eight. Eight beautiful awards, eight. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and once The reference to the movie, guys. Don't, <laughs> don't you get with it. <laughs> and once again, this is yet another film that we've covered on the podcast that has been deemed culturally and historically significant. Oh, another Congress? Yep. Damn, the Congress. In the U.S. Library of Congress, 2016. Damn, we got to start tracking that more. I wonder what other movies we've done. <laughs> like a psycho in there, yeah. I know. And just for you, because I know you're a graduate of Stony Brook University. All right. Your university used to have a theater that was called the Fanny Bryce Theater. Really? Yeah. But they knocked it down in 2007 to make for more dorms. So Damn. they were trying to make more room for you. <laughs> I was about to say, I got there in 2009. So yeah. I just missed it. I missed the Bryce. You did. Damn. But Andy, I'm really curious to know what you knew about Funny Girl. I know it was pretty... I was pretty quiet about what I was picking for this week's movie, yep. so I just want to know all your thoughts, what you were expecting, everything. Cool. Got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah, never never even heard 
Whoa. Never even heard the title before in my life. Never no heard, way. Yeah, never heard Fanny Bryce. Never heard Funny Girl. Never didn't know this was a movie. Never heard of it. Really? Yeah, never heard of it. Unless maybe from you over the last five years, but like if I did, I didn't stick. I, I, you know. Let the record show that Masha Paul has achieved what she thought was impossible. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, no, that ass. I've never, like, as she said, watching Funny Girl, I was like, okay, I have no idea what this is. And I had never even seen a Barbara Streisand movie. Again, like, first of all, I'd never seen her this young. And then I thought about it, I was like, I've never seen her in anything. <laughs> like, I could really. Besides I, Meet the Foggers. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. She was the mom in that, huh? Yeah. yeah okay, all right. I've seen her in the Fockers and, and Fockers 3 or whatever. Oh, uh, yeah. Meet uh, the Parents, I guess I should say. I no, she wasn't She wasn't in Meet the Parents. Oh, yeah, you're She's right. She's a Fokker. You're right, you're right. We, we, met, <laughs> we meet the Fockers in, in the second got one. It, it's got it's it. called Meet the Fockers. Okay. Lachaim, everyone. Lachaim. Lachaim. Like you have popcorn stuck in the throat. It's a ha. So outside of the Fokker franchise, i never seen her before. And then I really thought about it. I was like, not only have I... So first I was like, never seen her this young. And then I was like, never really seen her in a movie. <laughs> and then I was like, do I even know of a movie she was in? And I really wrecked my brain. And outside of like A Star is Born, I can't think of anything. I was going to ask you if you saw So then I was just born. like, how did she get famous? Like I went through all this when we were sitting there yesterday. I was like, who the fuck is Barbara Streisand? Like, like I was like, I, I, I grew up always knowing the name. Like I grew up just like, oh, she's a famous person named Barbara Streisand. I probably first heard about her, honestly, because of my age from South Park. Because they used to make fun of her a lot in the 90s. Oh, no. Hello there, little boy. Do you know who I am? No. Oh, I bet you do. I'm going ah, stop where that. there's lucky clovers yeah, in the- Yeah, sucks, dude. I'm Barbara Streisand. So? And I just remember the cartoon drawings with the well-fucked up nose. And that was like everything. So like, I always just knew she was this famous woman with a weird ass nose. And that was about it, really. And so I was just like, I was wow. like, all right, I'm about to get like my first ever taste of Streisand. And I didn't realize how much her career, or at least this initial movie, was based on her making fun of her nose. So I kind of thought it was everyone else's joke. Like, I didn't uh, realize like she was like owning the joke her whole career. Uh-huh. Where she was like, yeah, my nose is gross. Like, that's why it's funny. Uh-huh. You know, so I, I don't know. I thought that was cool. Well, I just thought it was just crazy. like everyone was like, see your nose. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> no, she is a star. Like, she's the boss. She's known for, or people, I guess, address her as a diva. But like, I just think she knows how talented she is and she owns it. Like, I, I don't really follow Barbara Streisand's career. Like, she's an award-winning musical artist. Like, I think she had albums out before this movie came out, okay. you know? So she started out as a musician. All right. As a musical Makes artist. Makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. Um, and then, you know, she had a pretty decent career before her film debut. Okay. Um, How old is she, man? How old is she in this movie? <laughs> I think, well, I think she was 22 when she started in this movie. God damn. Um, damn but she was born in the 40s? She was born in 42. She's 78 years old. Wow. You know where she's from? Where? Brooklyn! So yeah, I just went into it fully blind. No expectations at all. Yeah. And um, once I saw it was a musical, I have this weird thing with like, not weird thing, but comedies <laughs> and musicals, I just tend to assume they're going to be 90 minutes because that's usually what they are. So when I found out that this was like, not only directed by the guy from Ben-Hur, but the same length as Ben-Hur. <laughs> it was a bit surprising. Because I was like, how much story could we tell here? But there was story to tell, so I guess I was wrong. I'm so sorry. But, I did not tell you in advance. Yeah, it's just when it started, like we we, were, like, we got like an hour in, and I was like, all right, so we're probably going to like have a big performance, wrap this whole thing up. <laughs> and then <laughs> we paused it to like 
walk the dog or something. Yeah, and well, it is technically split up into two acts. Yeah, but the first act's an hour and 45 minutes, yeah. and then the second act is like 55 minutes. So yeah. it's. <laughs> but I remember we paused it, and it was an hour and 45 left, and I was like, God damn. Like, they were already on the Titanic by this point. <laughs> so. Whoops. I could see where Peter Jackson and James Cameron all got their inspiration from uh, in yeah. terms of making a long-ass movie. It's so funny because I obviously love this film, but I didn't realize how long it was until i was watching it with you last night yeah <laughs> it was crazy that's yeah that's all beside the point that's so my history is very brief and doesn't exist <laughs> masha what is your history with this funny gal that's great well i call I... it i call it funny gal by the way uh, yeah it's funny gal <laughs> well i would have never come across this film if it weren't for my mom's white boyfriend ex-fiance shout out to all the white boyfriends out there <laughs> Yeah, so my mom (laughs) dated and almost married this white guy when I was in middle school slash high school. They they were like together for like three years or so. Uh I feel like he can be credited for a lot of the things that I was introduced to, like skiing and (laughs) what do you call those clips on bikes where your shoes clip to the bike oh i've never done that but yeah we did that with him i was like why don't you just ride the bike you know like i just other white activities include mayonnaise sandwiches camping (laughs) i'd never been camping before she dated this man i'd never been in a volvo before she dated this volvo so I uh, thank you so much, Larry. Larry! <laughs> yeah, that's a white ass name. It's too much! Too much! Caucasian overload! Caucasian overload! Caucasian overload! Caucasian overload! That's too much white for one brother to take. His name was Lawrence. He went by Larry. That's great. For introducing me to Funny Girl. I feel like, first of all, he introduced us to a lot of. I guess what people would consider "quote unquote" white movies. Uh-huh. I'm sorry, I'm going on on a little bit of a tangent here. It. My Fair Lady, uh-huh. you know what I mean? Like those that era of movies. It's got is, like it's got like some funny movies. Ex- yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, like I remember clear memory. My mom and I would sneak to the movie theaters because he was also a super Christian guy. Oh, this is that guy. This is oh, that I've guy. Heard, I've heard stories about Larry. So, y'all, the this guy was super Christian, but like the kind of Christian that was like, any movies about witchcraft? Blasphemy. Like, you should not that's, be watching that, that. That's the devil's work. Yeah, it's the devil's work. So I had to sneak away with my mom to watch all the hair. Like, any Harry Potter movies that came out during this era of her dating him, <laughs> we sneaked out to watch it together and couldn't tell him about it. Oh, my God. Rent, because there are gay people in it. <laughs> had to sneak away and watch it. He found out somehow they had a huge fight about it. Like, I just remember all of this. Oh, my God. So this was that guy. Larry. <laughs> but, I mean, I hated that, but I love that he introduced me to Funny Girl. All right, cool. But me, you know, being the lover of all things musicals, uh-huh. I was drawn to this right away, and especially because of the fact, and we'll go into this deeper as we talk about the movie, but Barbara Streisand and Fanny Bryce in this movie are not that traditional beautiful girl who want to be a star. And I think that was what drew me into loving this movie and her character. Because she knew, like, she wasn't, she didn't look like all the other girls in the chorus. But she knew that she was a star. She knew she had talent and was 
the and knew that the stage was her home and she was going to do whatever she wanted to do to get there and she was hilarious yeah so i i just i think i was just drawn into the character and just i just loved everything about it so i remember renting this movie like once a month from blockbuster you know what i mean like it was one of those movies where i just like memorized all the songs and the choreography so my history with it is pretty much like the typical masha re-watching movies over and over again (laughs) (laughs) sweet so that was my history with the film i think it's crazy that barbara streisand was at one point not considered to be fanny bryce even though she was playing fanny bryce and funny girl on the on broadway uh-huh. because the bid stu- the big studio didn't want you know they were like eh, maybe go with shirley mclean like that's who they were pushing for at mm-hmm. the time i don't really know who she is but she was famous oh. at the time she's like a star like you could bank on you know what i mean great but race- great <laughs> <laughs> fucking salty my bad i'm sorry loyal but ray stark fanny bryce's son-in-law really pushed for barbara he was like she is fanny bryce the mm-hmm. depiction of her which is funny because barbara is noted for saying like she intentionally did not watch or listen to any of fanny bryce's stuff because oh, she did not want to be imitating her in any way or accused of in- imitating yeah, yeah. her so i thought that was really interesting and the director, William Wyler, he actually at initially declined to direct this movie. He had some hearing loss, mm-hmm. and he was concerned that it would affect his ability to work on a musical. But then in my mind, I'm like, wouldn't that affect your ability to direct any movie? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> whatever. He initially, I mean, he eventually, uh, you know, directed it. But yeah, I don't really have too much. I mean, I learned a lot, but I'm willing to sprinkle them through. So I'm really willing to dive in straight into um, the spoiler-free section if you are. Let's do it. All right, so we have a lot of exposition in the beginning of this movie. Yeah. <laughs> I know it was, I was like, oh no, slow start for Andy, I'm going to lose him. <laughs> because we start out with Fanny Bryce in this theater, you really don't know what's going on. She's just sort of entering the theater, nobody's there yet, but you could tell she's a big star. Yeah, and- which by the way, she's dressed and kind of her demeanor. Like, she just feels comfortable, like, walking around. She doesn't seem like she's not supposed to be there. Yeah, and the opening line of this movie is, hello, gorgeous. You know, she's yeah, looking yeah. at herself in the mirror. And that really establishes, you know, this is her home. She's very comfortable here. And it kind of reveals that she is reflecting on how she got to where she is now. Yeah. Because, you know, it's the exposition. She's clearly thinking over things that have happened to her. And that's where the movie begins. Yeah, it's like the storytelling narrative. And it's kind of before she's got a performance that night. So she's thinking it out. You don't have to give him a moment, son. Dewey Cox needs to think about his entire life before he plays. And where do we flash back to? Classic Henry Street. Yeah. I love, I gotta say, I love old-timey New York. Oh, yeah, it's the best. It's so cool. Like, I mean, let's strip away the fact that I'm black. Like, I just <laughs> remove all the racism, all that stuff, blah, blah, I love old-timey New York, you know? Just, there's so much activity going around in the streets. Oh, yeah. You got kids running around, newspaper men. You got clothes hung between buildings. Yeah. Like a classic. Everybody knows each other. And you've got Fanny Bryce looking at herself in the mirror again, and she's clearly, you know, getting ready to go somewhere. And you have this very charismatic, group of characters her mom yep. at the saloon with all, the neighborhood ladies exactly 
So I, I I thought this was like a fun intro that you would enjoy. Well, yeah. where where were you in this? Yeah, I mean, I liked that the opening song was like very boppy and stuff that they end up singing, which you know, it's like I feel like if I'll, a girl isn't pretty. Yeah, so I feel like almost almost every musical does that, where the first song is like a very like high energy kind of funny, and not always funny, but either like you know, a little upbeat yeah. kind of stuff like that. So yeah, I enjoyed it. But I guess we get we'll talk about it more as the movie goes on. But like you were saying earlier with uh how you love this movie because you know streisand and fanny bryce they're they're not the typical good-looking girls and stuff like that i will say yes barbara streisand does have a bit of a weird nose i do think she does look better than everyone acts like she looks this entire movie oh but that's like it's like a lot, a lot of movies do that yeah, where i was just do. like i just don't think i can buy that <laughs> you're as ugly as you're telling me mm-hmm. it's like the 30 rock liz lemon thing like the character they portrayed should have been a lot fatter and like grosser than uh what's her name tina fey actually looks yeah you know liz what lemon, i mean yeah. like yeah yeah so it's like they were just going on and on about how like you know you're not good you know you're not, in the song is about how like a girl like girls need to sell their sex to become famous and you don't have any sex to sell so you right. ain't shit well, and i was like she's got a little bit like you've got to give them credit though because they were like you're pretty for like walking down the street okay but for a yeah, big yeah. time star. I guess my bigger problem comes when we meet the chorus girls because I will say <laughs> they all looked pretty average to me, <laughs> and a lot of a couple of them looked worse than Barbara Streisand. So I, whenever they were saying like I don't look like the other girls, I was like they didn't really get that gorgeous of other girls. Like they're good looking, but if if the point of the movie is these are like unattainable goddesses and right. you're you're just an average looker, I'm like you guys are too close. Right, right, like, right. Like I'm looking at a seven and a six comparing each other. You know? <laughs> Uh, All right, but yeah, the, the opening was fun, nice high energy kind of. So since I didn't know what this movie was or what it was gonna be, I, it, that set the tone where be, between the opening stuff in the theater and then this, and I was like, okay. I even wrote in my notes, I was like, oh, is this gonna be like the silly version of A Star Is Born? Mm. Because I knew it was called Funny Girl, and I already tell from the beginning like she's pretending to like shoot machine guns at the audience. Like I could tell she was she was very like you know silly, doesn't take a lot of things seriously, so. I had a feeling comedy was going to be in it because it was called Funny Girl. So I was like, I literally was like, oh, it's going to be like A Star is Born, but with like comedy. <laughs> so then I was like, is this going to be like Marvelous Mrs. Maisel? Which it wasn't. But, you know, I was like, oh, is she going to be a comedian? Like, is this a secret comedian movie? Yeah. So I was having a lot of stuff. but uh... That's why I was trying to not say anything at all because I didn't want to get your hopes like too yeah. high in like one direction or the other. But the old, the old time in New York and the woman who wants to be a star just reminded me so much of Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Totally. Yeah, Absolutely. Crazy. Mad vibes. Um, I forget what they're called, but like it's like the eight gorgeous, fabulous girls. But anyway, no, it's the eight beautiful girls. Eight. Oh yes, <laughs> that was actually like, honestly, I think the funniest line in the movie to me. Like just like cause just, it's not the way you're supposed to read it. Like it's like she's just like being a dick, you know. So she's like, I'm part of the eight beautiful girls. Eight. <laughs> the posters happen of eights on each side. <laughs> but yes, Fanny Bryce is heading to the to the theater because yes, she like you said, she's part of this chorus of girls. Well, so when is this? Like, I don't, it doesn't seem like it. Like, that newspaper boy scene later, it was like, this can't be 1968. It says that it's set in a prior to and following World War One, ah. So, like, in the 40s. Okay, that makes sense. Or 30s? Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> World War One was not the 40s or I know, the 30s. I know, I know, I know, I know. That's what I was like, <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> but I gotta say, I love, I mean, pre-World War One. if women were carrying around large tin ma- things of makeup <laughs> yeah. what's in there who knows probably something that gave you cancer like that we found out <laughs> later <laughs> god damn but i gotta say i loved all the bits with barbara streisand and these chorus girls just of course she's sticking out in all the yep. wrong ways mm-hmm. she does she she really lies to just to get on the stage in yeah. any way and 
what quickly happens is the owner of this theater is like, why'd you hire this girl? She's awful. And he fires her immediately yeah. upon <laughs> sight. And that sort of initiates the I'm the greatest star song. Yep. I think I'm the greatest star really does a great job of showing what kind of character she is, how much confidence she has in herself and mm-hmm. how much like fun and humor she she has. So it's like, even though she knows people are telling her no, she's still positive about it. Yeah. Which is really fun. And it's, it's heartfelt at the same time. Yeah, yeah. It's like a continuation of the home stuff where everyone at home is telling her no and everyone professionally is telling her no, but she knows she's Fanny. This movie does a weird thing where sometimes people are singing and it's just a song, and sometimes people are singing, but they're singing in the world of the musical, so people hear that. I noticed that, yeah. It's, yeah. They call it a diegetic and non-diegetic. That's like the term. Okay, excuse me. <laughs> Why do you know these terms? <laughs> paid a lot of money to learn this dumb shit in school (laughs) (laughs) all right cool well i'm the greatest star is one of those songs that is heard in the world of the musical yeah and it's where the musical director is like you are a singer you're not a chorus girl so he actually ends up giving her a gig a roller skating gig exactly and of course it backfires, but she says anything to get on the stage that was kind of his fault because he was like (laughs) why did you take this job Oh, wait, was this now or later when she's like, I would have said anything to get on here. Like, if you asked for a juggler, I would have juggled. Yeah, Was that the scene? Yeah, Yeah, it was right before. Yeah, so at first, he already burned himself once, and then (laughs) he was like, you can't do what I asked. And she's like, ah, if you asked for a juggler, I would have juggled. And he's like, all right, can you roll this kid? She's like, totally. I would have been like, (laughs) you fucking lying. (laughs) Yeah, he totally falls for it. But she was lying, but it made me laugh, because then the whole next scene is her fucking fucking up with the roller skates. (laughs) But it's so funny, because like, you can't be that bad and not fall. Mm. Like, she was, like, so bad, but still always, like, never falling off the edge of the, the stage, never falling off a roller skate. So it was, like, it's just funny to be, like, how good you have to be to look bad. Yeah. Like that. Actually, watching it last night, I always thought she was bad, and that's just how it went. But after hearing how she was talking about it with the girls after the fact, it sounded like she actually does know how to roller skate, but she did it on purpose oh. because it would get her in the limelight oh, more. Oh, I didn't buy I, I didn't, uh, I didn't uh, read that. So. Yeah, I mean, I haven't read that for years, but yeah. I'm just saying like that was my a different take I had last That would make night. way more sense because especially once everyone starts liking it and then she's like, like riding on the edge of the stage a couple times in the circles and i was like all right you can't be bad and do that you yeah, know like, exactly because i'm bad at rollerblading like you've seen me yeah. i can't do nothing <laughs> i'm either up or down like it's not there's no move man and the fact that barbara's is skating on her own too yeah. is very impressive just marking what's actually similar or what actually happened in the real fanny bryce's life she did make her debut as a solar singer at Frank Keeney's Vaudeville Theater, which is what's depicted in the beginning oh, of this cool. movie, just minus the roller skates. Yeah, like yeah. That didn't happen, obviously. But uh, this is where what kind of led to her start. But what ends up happening is after Barbara Streisand uh, skates around and messes the chorus girl's performance up, the audience loves it, and they bring her back onto the stage to do the next performance which is i'd rather be blue over you yeah yeah that one was fun i like that one i actually used this song as an audition song for my first musical in high school oh man and i couldn't find the sheet music for it anywhere like i don't know why because it's a fantastic song and i'm pretty sure i could have bought it but i don't know you know whatever 
I didn't buy it, so I ended up doing it a cappella and then got my first lead role in a musical. Nice. So that song will forever have a place in my heart. So let's get a little of that right now. Three and two and one and go. Yeah, I'm not doing nah, that. Nah, I thought that would work. <laughs> I thought if I didn't give you time to think about it. <laughs> Good try, though. And the last thing I'll say about I'd Rather Be Blue is... It's one of three songs in this movie that the real Fanny Bryce became famous for. Mm-hmm. So it's I'd Rather Be Blue, Secondhand Rose, and My Man, which we'll talk about at the end. Cool, cool. Um, but yeah, that's... That's the, that's the Bryce trifecta? Yeah. It's actually, if if you're interested after this podcast and for you listeners, I'd... I think it's interesting to listen to both renditions of all these songs. Yeah, that'd be cool. Um, I've only listened to the um, to f- the real Fanny Bryce's rendition of My Man, but it's really interesting to hear the different takes. Cool. I'll check it out. So it's after this performance, which again, the audience eats up, that Fanny is offered sort of like a resident salary at this theater, right? Yeah. Yep. And it's all because of Nikki Armstein. Nikki Austin. <laughs> um, I I love that I got a real laugh out loud moment from you because there's this like a freeze frame yeah. that sort of initiates this Nikki Austin, Nikki Austin. <laughs> what a beautiful, beautiful name. I was more laughing also just like how how like jagged the freeze frame was because like they clearly did it in post in the 60s so like it just it wasn't that like clean like it would be today yeah so like it literally felt like someone like paused like a vcr like i was just like <laughs> it did look just like that yeah so i thought that was hilarious um and here but yeah, we meet nikki Einstein in his pirate shirt man omar sharif do i have stories about him oh snap he's an egyptian actor who what do you even call like knowing five languages like it's insane how smart he is I think this was the first time I was like, wow, this man is beautiful. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's his eyes that like draw you in. Yeah. I mean, I, I could have, I would have just guessed he was from Spain just because mm-hmm. of the character he was playing. Yeah. As I didn't know he was Egyptian. So he just reminded me of uh, just that, like, you know, the, the, the sexy Spanish stereotype we had with like between fucking, I mean, Ricky Ricardo was Cuban, but, you know, we didn't give a fuck. We just put anybody with who spoke yeah. Spanish as Spanish. Uh, and uh, what's his fucking name from Fantasy Island? Ricardo uh, Montalban. Uh, oh. Yeah, he, he was super sexy in Spanish. <laughs> so I just feel like that's what we were doing. So he just reminded me of that where I was like, man, this guy's, he'll steal your lady. Because he was Egyptian and Barbara Streisand was Jewish, I didn't know this, but... I learned through my research while they were filming this, there was a six day war between Israel and Egypt. And at that point, there was a photo that leaked of Omar and Barbara kissing. So his Egyptian citizenship was like the country threatened to take it away because he was starring in this film and kissing a Jewish woman. Holy shit. So he like went through a lot (laughs) during the the filming of this movie, which is insane. That's crazy. Um, I've also been trying to figure out what the word is for multiple. Like bilingual for five languages is it quintilingual? Because quintilingual, like, like quint is five, like a quintuplet is five babies. I guess babies. so. Yeah, like you're quintilingual. Whoa, this quintilingual guy. Bilingual, trilingual, quad. I never heard quadlingual. Yeah, I've, I've never heard, heard, I've heard trilingual. Yeah. All right, whatever. I've heard that too, but yeah, I mean, the movie was actually banned from some Arab nations as well. Wow, which is insane. Like, come on, guys, it's a rated, movie's a movie. It's rated G. <laughs> it like kind of kiss a little bit like you know it's like it's so like <laughs> it's so like safe you know what i, yeah, mean? I know i mean is it for the 60s 
they had a couple of Hollywood kisses in there, but yeah. let's we're getting ahead of ourselves here. But what I found interesting about the casting of Omar Sharif is I, I, I think he's a very unique choice um, and a choice that both Barbara and the director of this movie were willing to like put their careers on the line for they were like we want omar or we don't want anyone oh, you know snap. what i mean yeah. so they actually like stuck up for him when the studio was considering replacing him because of all this six-day war stuff yeah and other actors that were considered for this role were frank sinatra Ooh. i you know he's not the greatest actor like he's been in movies burn no he's not an actor he's a singer <laughs> No, I, and tap dancer. Yeah, yeah, I'm saying, but like, yeah, like he's been in movies and he's not yeah. bad at him, but I don't know about like. Well, I mean, that makes sense because he actually asked for more lines and new songs added to the script <laughs> if he were to be cast in it. He's like, can I get one about blue eyes? <laughs> I can't do it with Frank Sinatra. But imagine <laughs> they were considering Marlon Brando. Damn. I could see I that. I could see it. Right? Hell yeah. Sexy ass. Yeah, totally. 1960s Marlon Brando. And but, Sean Connery. Oh, I could see it too. I could see that too. Ah, Austin. Nice. Freaking Austin. But what was even more insane to research was the real Julius Arnstein. Yeah, what's up with this guy? Who was not handsome at all. Ah. <laughs> there was like one picture of him on Google and I was like, yeah, it's not. <laughs> you could do better, Franny Bryce. Damn. You know what I'm saying? This guy was a mess, a hot mess. That's mad funny because when you, sorry, just to cut, I didn't mean to cut you off, but mm-hmm. in the beginning when you said this was a true story, my first thought was like, man, they really fucking dragged Nikki Arnstein through the dirt with this movie. Ugh. And then and then you were like, oh, uh, he's kind of based on someone else. So I was like, oh, cool. So they probably made it worse for the movie because he's not really a real person. No. Now you're telling me the opposite. No, yeah. that Because Stark, I think, like I said, as a producer, like I feel like he was trying to put out fires. So he actually made Nikki look better than the real guy was in real life. Really? Yeah. But maybe I'll save more of the details on Nikki as we go further in the film and talk about, you know, what he goes through. But initially in Funny Girl, when we're introduced to Nikki Arnstein, he's this charming, beautiful guy who comes backstage to compliment her on her performance. Super mysterious, wears a pirate shirt. Exactly. We don't know what he does. He looks like he has money. Fanny is kind of blown away, but in sort of like that, huh, he was handsome. I'll never see him again. Oh, well, (laughs) you know, like I just really love her approach to this guy. Well, it wasn't just that, but he also gets her tons more money. Yes. Yeah. So he fight because the other guy was going to pay him. What was like $20 a week? $25 a week. And he essentially doubles it to 50 by proposing as if he has a client who is trying to poach her. Yes. But we find basically that's our first also like we're like, okay, so this guy can kind of use his charm and his smile and his looks to like get people to believe things. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because, I mean, I that sold it right away. I didn't trust him the entire movie. Like, oh, really? Yeah, the whole movie, I was like, oh, this guy's a fucking bum, dude. Whoa. Like, I was like, this guy, I, I thought he was going to be more of a bum than he actually ended up being. So we'll watch <laughs> where I was like, yo, this guy's a grifter. He just goes town to town. Maybe I had Night of the Hunter still on my brain. Yeah. Where I was like, oh, this guy goes town to town and just fucking... I think lays pipe and fucking takes whatever he wants. It kind of teaches you, like, when you meet someone for the first time, they actually tell you a lot about themselves just through their actions and what they say. Like, he's like, I'm a free spirit. I just go wherever I go. I travel the world. I live life. Which kind of translates to me as, yeah, you don't really commit to anything. Yeah. <laughs> well, my favorite, honestly, 
Yeah, I guess I'm jumping ahead, but there's a line later from the bomb that I really liked. Mm. Uh, but I guess we'll, we'll get there when we get yeah. there. Yeah. But anyway, Nikki Arnstein does not stick around. No, he does He's like, I got to go somewhere. You want to come? Nope. All right, I'm dipping. Yeah. And she kind of moves forward. I like that how this movie handles jumps in time without being obvious about it. Mm. I like that. I like that a lot in these movies that span a long period of time where they you have to like listen to the dialogue to know how much time has passed every time there's a new scene. Yes. It's I don't know. It's, I find it just like you have more confidence in your audience than when it's just constantly six months later, one year later, two yeah. months later. So like we'll just see it the next scene and you'll be watching it. You'll think it's the next day, but then all of a sudden they'll be like, "It's been a whole year since blah blah." blah. And you're like, "Oh fuck! All right, so <laughs> we're we're jumping ahead here." So Absolutely. yeah, because this whole kind of first chunk of the movie is we're basically just seeing her have multiple successes in her career yeah she yeah. gets she gets a gig at uh the Ziegfeld the, yeah he's she becomes a Ziegfeld folly which the real Fanny Bryce did as well yeah um but she gets a gig there challenges him a little bit <laughs> on yeah, the first yeah. day those, those are funny oh my gosh she like challenges him and someone's like you can't do that he's the boss and she was just like what no one ever argues with the landlord <laughs> <laughs> I do love that like accent is that New York? Is it Jewish? Is it both? It's Jewish in New York. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she reminded me of like a not dirty mouthed Joan Rivers. Oh, yeah. You know, like I so now that I know that Fanny Brace is real, I would be surprised to find out that Joan Rivers wasn't inspired by Fanny Brace. Ooh. They seem cut from the same cloth. I do want to talk about the idea of Fanny Brace knowing her strengths. And what will resonate with the audience. Yeah. Because I think as an artist and especially an aspiring artist in this movie, she kind of knows how she she should approach her career. Yeah. Rather than sort of, she's not really one who just wants to be on the stage and like listen to what directors tell her what to do. For example, she caught cast in this song where she's like the most beautiful bride in the world. Yeah. And she's like, that's not going to translate well. Let's make this funny. And she kind of takes the reins. Yeah, like she kind of says to Ziegfeld, like, if you cast me as the, the most beautiful bride out of all these other women who are also brides in this pl- song, right. they're just going to laugh when they see that it's me compared to them. You know yeah. what I mean? Uh, but yeah, so then in the actual show, she comes out with a pillow under her her, her dress. dress. So it looks like she's like a pregnant bride and essentially turns what I assume was supposed to be like an earnest and serious song into like a comedy piece. Yes. But also, yo, can we just talk about how fucking weird <laughs> that song is? It's so weird. If she didn't come out and make it funny, it would have been, I think it would have been terrible. It was yeah. such like a weird, like, and especially for the time, if it was like 1910 and these women were like almost naked just to be like, look at me, I'm a bride, I'm in the bride. Like, I don't know, it's just fucking like, weird. Like, who is man. this show for? Yeah, and what's the story? Like, what's the, you know, like, there's like, there's a May bride and an August bride. And I was just like, I don't know what the fuck is going on. I don't know. It's a I wrote, smash what, I wrote, what a weird, creepy bride show. <laughs> <laughs> It was freaking weird. I don't blame you. I just love that she knows herself and knows what will resonate with the audiences. And it ends up like she kind of gambles her career in that moment. Oh, yeah. Because she would have got if it wasn't a hit, she would have yeah. like oh immediately. But I think it shows that she'd rather be true to herself than not. Yeah. In and I also like that it showed like in the beginning, Ziegfeld's just portrayed as like a hard ass who, you know, is like the super stern boss. You don't want to fuck with him. And then in this scene, like, it shows that he's not, like, dumb. And <laughs> even though he hates what she did and probably thinks it's, like, an insult to theater, yeah. he's not a bad businessman either. And he's like, well, people fucking love it. I clearly have a star on my hand, even if I don't know why what you do is entertaining. So let's fucking roll with it. And, Absolutely. Like, you know, and that basically kicks her. Once, like everything with the career started going really well for her really easily and she comments on it too later where she's like this is all coming so fast and easy mm-hmm. you know like i haven't suffered enough 
that's when I realized I was like, okay, so this movie was in really one of those movies about like her career in that sense. Yeah. Like the the pl- like the the theme and the story of the movie isn't how did she become famous and what happened. It's just what happened. Like it's it's more like her personal life and how she still just negated her own personal issues. Exactly. And just went for the success instead. You know what I mean? Like yeah. instead of dealing with her problems, she just kind of That's actually a great transition into what the next song ends up being, People. This is the song that she sings to Nikki when they're out on Henry Street. You know, he'd just come back with her after her performance. Is that after the party? Yes. Okay. Um she in has the, a party in her hometown. In, in the party where is where I had my favorite line was um mm-hmm. cuz Nikki's like sweet talking everybody as he sees the old ladies playing cards, he immediately wants to play cards with them. Yeah. Um and he's just like so comfortable, so nice, so friendly and so everything and everybody loves him and like the mom doesn't really trust him. Mm-hmm. And then she was like someone's like what's wrong? Like why don't you like him? And she was just like I don't know. Aren't strangers supposed to act a little strange? <laughs> like as if to be like, yo, if someone comes into your life and they're this open and comfortable and friendly, like mm. without a- without any work on your part, they probably want something. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like you have to like build a friendship. Like you know, like if I meet someone, and they're like, oh my god, this is so yeah. This weekend we're gonna do. I'd be like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like you know, let's be cool here. You know, so yeah. so the fact that he like wasn't reserved at all like he like that's why to me i was like oh he's a con man like this he's man, charming everyone at the party yeah like i just assumed he was broke as fuck and he wanted all her money and like yeah. he, this is what or even though she didn't have money yet but he recognized yeah. that she could be a star we do have to give him some credit though because he is honest and upfront about who he is throughout like he's like yeah i would gamble like that's how i make my money I yeah think at this but point- he doesn't re- he says that but he plays it off as a joke mm, i guess like because so. she was like he, she's like, what do you do? And he's like, I gamble. And she was like, what do you mean or something? And he was like, well, I took a gamble on tonight, didn't I? As mm. if so... In that moment, I didn't think he actually was a gambler. I thought he was just making a cute joke of being like, like every day is a gamble because I don't know what my, because I don't make plans, you know, like, like yeah. when, when you live life like me, anything can happen any day. So that's gambling, you know? So like, that's kind of what I thought he meant. Right. So I, I, I was just like, oh, I didn't know he actually meant like he's a gambler. Yeah, like, you know, a professional gambler. So yes, he does say it, but he does it in that sweet, sexy smile way where you don't really like know. Yeah. Like this man can't be a degenerate, you know? See, clearly he would have worked on me. I'd be like, oh yeah, he's a good. Oh, I would have been like, who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> but yeah, I, I like that line too. Thanks for pointing that yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. I just thought it was like, it was a cool... It was, yeah. It was, it was smart. But in terms of like Fanny Bryce knowing who she is, I, I just... I find this song people to be so interesting because she's saying people who need people are the luckiest people in the world. Yeah. So help me out with that. I don't think I understand it. I I wonder if this song was a way of her saying, I wish I was someone who needed somebody else in my life to feel complete. What do you mean? Why doesn't she need that? I think she realizes that she doesn't need another person in her life to be her and to be successful. Yeah. Because, yeah, she thinks he's cute and she thinks he's charming, but it's like, uh, I could probably keep doing this thing yeah, on my yeah. own. Okay. So I think she's saying like being in love or like needing other people is great. And I wish I could be one of those people. Yeah. But this, the way the, the composition of the song is, and I don't know if this interpretation is correct at all no, by I, any means, it's art. but it's just the way that I took it. It's like, man, I think this is the part where I'm supposed to fall in love with the guy. But honestly, like... I wish I was one of those people who needed other people because uh, they're the yeah, luckiest yeah, yeah. people in the world. Cool. So it's kind of like it's supposed to be the part of the musical where like she falls in love, but she's like, I'm not that person. Yeah. But I wish I'm like, that's pretty cool too. Like, you know, I, I just, 
I don't know. That's how I interpreted it. What about you? Were you kind of just confused? This I, whole I, time? I didn't really understand it. Mm. I'd be, I was just like, oh, it's just, there's so many songs. Like, yeah. I was just like, <laughs> all right, cool, cool. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I just found that really interesting because if you think about that and sort of apply it to the rest of the movie, she, there's really no point in which Barbara Streisand's character, Fanny, needs Nikki. Yeah. Like she never really needs. Oh him. yeah, and that's that's like the root of his insecurities. Yeah, too. so that's why I'm saying like her saying people who need people are the luckiest people in the world. It's like she, cause it's just because she's not one of those people. Yeah, that's pretty cool. But honestly, this guy is a flake. <laughs> if you yeah. like really step back, like he comes in and out of her life throughout Act One constantly. That's, that's why I never trust them. <laughs> like, fucking guys up to something. And then we learn, like, I, I don't remember like, the full order of every event. Again, long-ass mm-hmm. movie. Yeah, it's So long. if I say something that happens before something else, <laughs> so sorry. But, like, the times, because you, you are right. He is honest, like, with a lot of stuff when he says it. Mm-hmm. And, like, there's one point where they're talking about, like, I think you find out that she's never had sex with anyone. And then yeah. he said he's had sex with thousands of women. I wrote, like, thank <laughs> fucking God HIV didn't exist yet. Yeah. If that shit existed, this motherfucker would have died and probably killed hundreds of people with his fucking wild dick flying across america thousands i i don't who knows i mean yeah i guess it wasn't an exaggeration if we're going on the he he was honest route yeah omar as an actor he actually had a lot of similarities with the character nikki in that he was a real life horse racing enthusiast which we learn in the movie Nikki has a horse that, you know, of course he gambles on in racing and all that stuff. Yep. And he also had a professional contract bridge career, which I guess is some card game that people pl- oh, play bridge. professionally. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I don't know. But he was like the captain of the Egyptian team. Whoa. Like, so like those were like two very strong similarities to have to a character you're playing in a movie. <laughs> and I guess the last similarity he has to his character is that he smoked... 25 cigarettes a day Damn. people smoked back then yo, like really you just, smoked you smoked like <laughs> yo it wasn't that weird that's why everyone was dying at 60 like yeah it's pretty bad they would just drink and smoke till they fucking just dropped but yeah once he finds out that she's a virgin and you know they sort of get together she's advanced in her she keeps advancing in her career yeah, we're like, not really following that journey like and, you and said is, and there's never really any road bumps either it's just like she just crushes it constantly yeah. she's always just on stage murdering right but when they get together finally for a date we come to the song you are woman i am man yeah and it's literally the song where he at the end is taking her virginity <laughs> um i think we're going to have to cancel funny girl because a, there's no gay people in the movie, oh and B- <laughs> sorry. Oh my god. We'll probably cut that, but if we don't, that was uh, regarding an article saying that Greece should be canceled because there was no gay or black people in the movie. That's a whole other thing. And, I'm uh, so furious about and that. And my argument was, if there were gay and black people in Greece, there'd also probably be hate crimes and racial slurs because something tells me Zuko and his yeah. friends weren't the most uh, inclusive people. Yeah. <laughs> did you really want to just run the gay kid out of town scene in the middle of Greece? Because I didn't. Listen, lady, that's. <laughs> That's what that pep rally was. It was actually a lynching <laughs> covered up by a pep rally intro. Uh, but yeah, I am woman, you are man. It rubbed me the wrong way when I was a kid, and it still rubs me the wrong way today. So I'm glad a, to skip a, over it. It was a little saucy for a rated G movie. It was. I can't believe this movie was rated G. After this night is when this is the switch for Fanny. 
she falls in love with him after this. Yeah. Like she's going around Baltimore. They're having fun nights together. The mom is talking about how like she's all giggly on the phone and everything like that. And I think it's at this point where Franny's like, yes, I have a fantastic career, but I want to follow love for the first time. Yep. And that leads to Don't Rain on My Parade. Yeah, yeah. That's a fun one. Even if you've never seen this musical, I feel like you had to have heard this song at one point in your life. Have you heard this song? I don't know. Really? Maybe. Whoa. Maybe I've heard like a clip of it. Like, Don't Rain on My Parade. That's that's not how it is. <laughs> <laughs> don't Rain on My Parade. Oh my God, Andy. America. <laughs> America. <laughs> 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 um, I I don't know. I might have, but I I don't think I did. Okay. But it was cool. So, but when she's singing that song, it's because Nikki's leaving again because he leaves fucking constantly. Yeah, he needs to make some money, and he, apparently he makes money. Yeah, he says I have because the whole fucking movie, he's always like, I have to go in the morning. I have a train, and then I'm uh, taking a boat to you know South <laughs> Africa, and then I'm taking a boat to Europe, and I'm taking a boat to Australia, and then uh, you know you think he's living this like exotic life, like trading horses and shit, and then like he's like, oh, sorry, I have to go boat to Europe tomorrow, and she was like, oh, what's the plan? And he's like, there's people on the boat who want to play cards. Oh, and, you yeah. know, and it's just like, and so he just basically rides to Europe and then rides back. Like, yeah. that's just what he, he literally makes money on the way to wherever these rich people are going to. But also, you're gambling, so you might not be making money. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so yeah, I know you hate Nikki, clearly. But the real guy that this character is based off of, Julius, I think. Julius, yeah. yeah. When he met Fanny Bryce, he was still married to his first wife, even though they were together. So Fanny literally waited seven years for his divorce to finalize so they could get married. Fanny. Which was literally like his she was pregnant with their kid Girl. and he still was, you know. Fanny. So first red flag. And first. <laughs> I mean not first. That's a red fucking <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> Red room. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a red house. Maybe it's getting a little ahead, but unlike the Bryce that we saw in this movie, the real Fanny Bryce supported him financially a lot. Like, yeah. a lot, a lot. And he was not a sort of suave gambler like he's depicted in this movie. He was like a straight-up con artist in uh, real life. Okay. Like, he, he was known for being that person, yeah. and he was in and out of prison a lot. And so his finances were like all like luckily she was successful on her own always. But like she really put up with a lot. Yeah, all that set up with the boat stuff is because then she decides to bail in her Ziegfeld performance and then go and catch that boat with him. Yeah. Without telling him and that during while she's like traveling to the to the docks is how is her singing Don't Rain on My Parade. Yeah. And can I just mention too here this actress Anne Francis, who's always the one of the follies that tells her to not do things like don't mess with the big boss. Yeah. You're going to get fired. That's the actress Anne Francis who had a, a ton more scenes in this movie, apparently, that all got cut. And I think she's not the only one, but she's the only one that sued to get her name removed from the credits because she was just disappointed by how many of her scenes got cut in wow. this movie. She just felt like she was gaslit. She was like, why didn't you just tell me my scenes were going to be cut? Yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I feel you, lady, but it's a long movie. <laughs> This moment that we just got to, this is the end of the first act. Yes. And and it, we kind of get a fade to black and you take an intermission. Yo, in the same thing as Peter Jackson's King Kong, <laughs> a buck 45 at this moment. Yeah. Like the movie is about her relationship with Nick Arnstein. 
and they get together after an hour and 45 <laughs> minutes. Yeah, you know, it was, I'm sorry, it was too long. Like, I, I was like, oh, like, I still, I, I still remember 2005 watching Peter Jackson's King Kong in the movie theater. And like, movie started at like three. And then they finally get to Skull Island. And I remember looking at my watch and it was like 4.52. And I was like, are you fucking kidding? Like, we Damn. just, like, we still have to do everything else. Like, we have to meet King Kong, like, everything else. Yeah. <laughs> so I was getting a little worried. But also kind of, stinks is i thought like there was a lot of meat in the last hour of this movie i think the second act actually has like some stuff to like chew on and to think about right and well there's a lot of songs in the first act i like and stuff there were times where i was like let's just get moving a little bit here so it's just funny where like i was i got real invested in this last (laughs) hour when in the first hour 45 i was like i'm into it but it's like let's go you know so it's it's funny it's it's just it's a funny way to mix it up oh that's so funny all right, and now just like this movie, you know, we're going to have a four-hour episode here. So why don't we have a quick intermission right now? Go to the bathroom and get your drinks. And we're back. <laughs> what a great intermission. Oh, man. Yeah, that was, that was awesome. I hope you were able to grab a drink. I hope you didn't mind the dimming lights in your apartment. Uh, we learned how to do that to <laughs> tell you to take your seats. <laughs> we connected to the Amazon. All right, so I just want to say when she arrives at this boat, this was not what I expected when I heard I'm going to Europe on a boat to play cards. Uh-huh. Because, again, I thought this guy was a goddamn bum the whole movie. Like, <laughs> I was just like... I literally assumed every time he wasn't on screen, he was taking off that suit, like, hanging it somewhere really nice and keeping it, and then just wearing, like, vagrant clothes until the next time he saw her. I give you... I don't blame you for that, because he was wearing the same exact suit the first two times he Exactly. So I just... I literally thought he, like, lived on the streets, but, like, just had just one outfit... And had the ability to make him look good when he needed to when he showed up yeah. the fanny. So so I just assumed and then when we found out he was like actually a gambler, I was like, Oh, this guy's like a degenerate. Like he might mm. be a drug addict. Like, I don't know what this guy is. Yeah. So when we pictured when I pictured the boat, I, this thing was more <laughs> like the Titanic and like I thought it was gonna be yeah. like like sailors. Like I thought it was gonna be like a dirty barge with like surly ass sailors like playing cards and getting into fights and like right. like tattoos and cigars and shit. So when we got to the boat, I was like, oh, I didn't realize this motherfucker was taking the Titanic to, to Europe. <laughs> this is fucking dope. That boat was crazy. That's got to be like, not like a fun trip, but for that time, that's got to be pretty cool. Like, Oh, absolutely. But can we just talk about the money that was in this movie? Yeah, what's up with that? I wrote that. <laughs> I wrote, I wrote everything looks like Monopoly money. I don't understand. Like, did money? No, no way money looked like I don't that think back it, then. I don't think it was so. like huge like bills and they were like black and white. It, it was, seems, Yeah, it seems like they had the bu- a budget to go get some fake money and some like PA fucked it up <laughs> and like came back with this like fake shit and they were like I eh, just put it in it's part of the charm oh my yeah God. I noticed it I noticed it earlier too I think even when they're playing at the house like the money looks different and yeah. I was like yeah this is some weird ass money this is an American money but yeah gambling as a career in general just thinking about it gives me anxiety I just I could never be never become a professional gambler and Andy because I will not be happy <laughs> yeah, no, I, nope, I don't think any professional gambler's happy <laughs> <laughs> what I find funny is you know clearly she's fallen head over heels for him ever since their night together yep. and she kind of hints at the fact that she wants to get married hints at the fact <laughs> she tells him straight up how about what just right now but in like a funny charming way yeah but also it's like okay. you guys don't know each other <laughs> at all no they don't like at all yeah it's pretty bad <laughs> Well, I guess in her mind, she's like, he's not my mom. Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. And also, like, in a 19... A, like, you know, the stereotype in Jewish families is that, like, 
you know, you got to get married. Like, the Jewish need to be married is, like, real. Right. And I imagine the more you go back in time, the stronger that is. You know, like, you know, as time goes on, people get a little bit less, like, tied down to traditions. Mm-hmm. But I imagine if it's 19, you know, 20, and you're a Jewish woman, and, like, you're, like, getting married is the goal. Like, yeah, the Sadie song. It's, like, right. She she's literally a world-famous superstar who has all the riches in the world, and she's jealous of her cousin who is married. Yeah. And that's it. Nothing yeah. else. Might be broke. Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Yeah, totally. And he's like, I got to win big bucks so that way I can, like, marry you properly. Yeah. And this guy is really into, like, the role of what a man should be. Yeah, the old school. Yeah, yeah. The man provides. He knows that she's successful. Like, money wouldn't be a problem for them. But he's like, I've got to win he's big. Got and pride. I've got to yeah. be the one to buy the house and all this yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. He's got his, like, manly pride, basically. Yeah. Um, which I think is an interesting angle for a character, and I like that now that you're telling me that the real guy like took money all the time. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what I expected, you know, because mm-hmm. again, I thought he was a gold digger the whole movie. So when when this actually happened, I was like, oh snap, maybe I was like actually a little wrong. I I still thought he was like something something was fishy about him. Yeah. But I was like, okay, so he's not just like in this just to like steal her money, like you know, it's it's some other stuff. And I think the idea of talking about his insecurities like as a man is a more interesting story than mm-hmm. eh, he's just a bum who wants her money you know like yeah yeah so I thought exactly that was cool. he does end up winning big and they do get the big house i don't know how big you could win in one game <laughs> i don't know either and it, like why are they i just whenever somebody wins big in a poker game or whatever in a movie i'm like how are there not like people trying to kill you like you know <laughs> i just wouldn't feel safe on that boat for yeah, the rest of the time yeah for real he was like, I just need to win big, and then we'll be set for life. And she's like, well, can you do it tonight? He was like, maybe. And then so I thought he was just lying. And then, like, in one hand, he wins enough money to, for them to be set for, like, 10 years or something. Yeah. Not 10 years, but a long time. Oh, God. But, yeah, so they somehow, yeah, they buy the house. They got the, the, the maids and everything else. Yeah. The staff. And, again, I was like, God, even if you won as big as you could have won, you don't have more money coming in. Like, what right. are you doing? Like, how are you paying these salaries? <laughs> I, I, have I mean, no we find idea. out he's not, but... <laughs> right, but, you know, they eventually have a baby girl, like... Yeah, that, living... that was really glossed over. I kind of forgot they had a kid, to be honest. <laughs> like, they had it, and then, like, later, she was like, did you see the baby? And he's like, no, I stopped by here first. I was like, oh, yeah, the baby. <laughs> like, I forgot. <laughs> yeah, the baby has a minimal presence. Yeah. Like, I think it's only about, like, two times in this whole movie. I think that's... Probably pretty standard, especially during that time for, like, famous oh people with kids. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I'm just pawn them off. It's nice to know that her career wasn't really phased by the fact that she took time off, you know, to get married, have a baby, and then get back into shape and do get back right into what she's good at. Yep. But what we do start to see is sort of Nikki's winning streak fade. Yeah. Well, also, the fact that he just, like, referred to it as a career, I just knew, like, this guy's got something wrong mentally. Like, mm. yeah, you're not, like, he's so delusional. I mean, it's one it, thing to be like, I win a lot, I like to gamble, like, but he was just like, he thought, like, going to play poker at night was, like, the same as someone going to the work at the factory. Like, I'm going right. to work today, you know, like, I'm earning my salary, and, like, this is the this is the path I chose as a career man. Yeah. And, it, like, it's not the same as being a blacksmith, <laughs> you know? That's actually an argument that they have in the movie, because she is, she has an opening night for a new show, and he stays at a poker game to see that through, rather yeah. than go to her opening night, and they end up having an argument about that. But, yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I think it makes sense if you're gambling... And maybe have an end goal to like invest 
legitimately. Or like, yeah, start your own casino, like any, yeah. you know, like. But he's just like, no, no, like I, this is my work. Like I, mm-hmm. I, I play cards. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and like sketchy. it was, and it, during that fight where you just talked about, you know, she says something along the lines of. I can't believe your card game was more important than my opening night. And he's like, well, why shouldn't it be? This is my career. Like, like he's like, the amount of time you devote to your career on stage, I should be devoting and also get the same respect as my career as a gambler. Yeah. But that was just like, guy, like, I don't know. It's so funny to watch this as an adult because as a kid, I remember being like, yeah, Fanny, why don't you like let him live his life and have his <laughs> career? And now I'm like, hell to the no. Like, it's I, not a career. I agree with you 100% <laughs> now. I'm like upset with my teenage self. <laughs> it's it's kind of crazy how he sort of sees his gambling as a career and there's really no end game there like what you keep gambling for the rest of your life exactly and like and then you know he the night where he misses her show like he's actually winning that night Mm -hmm. and then she's all happy and she's like cool you won like it's awesome let's get out of here and then he was like i've never i'll never walk away from a winning hand which pretty much guarantees you're never gonna win money Mm. because if you never walk away from a winning hand it eventually has to turn into a losing hand to make you walk away yeah so it's like the cycle of a gamble i don't know i re- I like movies about addiction and i i really like gambling addiction because i just find <laughs> it very interesting because i don't have anything close to it so i don't even understand it so yeah. you know like i was just Thank like God. man this guy's like fucking adam sandler and uncut gems over here uh-huh. like just like <laughs> except he wasn't dumb enough to call it his career in that movie yeah <laughs> but yeah he's oh, God. gambling addiction i find to be a very interesting thing yeah. i still remember my first casino sorry side tangent no i love it it was my 21st birthday so i was like oh 21st birthday going to the casino you know and then uh we were gambling all night, having fun, drinking, blah, you Ooh, know. all night. And then, not all night, we went to the sleep. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, my whole life I've been an early morning waker, as you as you know me. I wake up very early. Especially if I've been drinking. If I've been drinking, I cannot sleep. I wake up <laughs> at like 5.30. So I woke up like way earlier than, than the, uh, it was me and my three friends. It wasn't a big group. It was just the four of us. Uh, that's fun and then uh you know we had such a good time that night before gambling my friend taught me craps we had our own table we're playing craps all night I won, oh that's cool i won like 200 bucks so i won my first time ever at a casino and then like i woke up in the morning and i was like all jazzed up they were all still passed out and i was like ah i gotta i gotta hit this again like and i go back down to the tables in the morning but like now it's the morning but like you know, pre seven AM morning. So the only people still gambling are like the degenerates. Like, not, oh. sorry, shouldn't use the word degenerates, <laughs> but like, like the fucking addicts. I should yeah. say the people addicted. And I, I still like, like you know, when we fell asleep like drunk, so I was still in like my button down shirt from the night before. And like, wait, you wore button down shirt? Yeah, cute. I, d- I mean, I didn't, I thought... That's your takeaway from the story? No, I, no but I'm saying, like, not everyone dresses up to go to the casino. Yeah, it was fun. turning 21, All man. right, I'm sorry. It's I'm sorry. Continue. Um, And then, this story basically over, but basically, I remember going to, like, the crafts table, and then, like, just, there was, like, this one guy who just looked miserable, and, like, he just turned to me, and he's like, you don't want to be here at this hour, kid. <laughs> and like, like he was just Whoa. like, like, like none of us are having fun. We're here because we we need to be here. Like, you know, like he didn't he didn't go into that. He only said the one line, but like I just like understood gambling addiction like in that moment. And I was like, yeah, maybe this isn't for me. <laughs> like, oh, that's a guardian angel. Right there. <laughs> that's insane yeah. that that happened to you. <laughs> it could have been the beginning of something else, and he yeah. just whoa. No, nah, because it was also, I played like two or three hands and I was like, it's so boring with like your <laughs> friends and drinking and, mm. you know, like the excitement, like you need everything. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't like just gambling. It's too stressful. Well, that's crazy. I think this is where we kind of take a turn here. So I'm down to go dive into the spoiler section. Let's do it. 
if anyone's going to give you the down low in the real way, it's going to be your mama. Mama always knows. Mamas always know. If mama said knock you out, you get knocked back. <laughs> so Fanny's mom is really the one who kind of slaps Fanny into reality about Nikki and what he is and who he is. I like I like the mom. I already said that. Yeah. But I like, like, you can tell she actually respects her daughter. Because, mm. you know, right from the be- we learned right from the beginning that she doesn't like or trust Nick that much. Yeah. But she even says in this scene, like, she's like, Fanny, I've never butted in your life, have I? You know? So, like, mm-hmm. even though she's probably expressed that she doesn't really like Nick that much, she didn't try and, like, stop her daughter from marrying him. She kind of was, like, like letting her make her own decisions. But yeah. also, th- now's the time where she's like, I got to tell you the real scoop. And her daughter, too, is like, Fanny's like, oh, I thought you were going to start in a Nick again. She's like, this isn't about Nick. I'm actually disappointed in you mm. for getting yourself into this situation. Yeah, which yeah. Which is cool. And she's disappointed in her for not seeing Nick for who he is and, like, what he's struggling with. Yeah. Like, she literally says, like, you see what you want to see. Whereas this guy's actually owes money all around town. He's struggling. Um, like, he's crying out for help. And yeah. you're not doing anything. Like you're basically being like a bad partner. You yeah, know? Like, exactly. <laughs> so this sort of gets Fanny to react in a way that we soon find out is not the way Nick would appreciate her reacting. Yeah, honestly, I think this was my probably the most interesting scene in the movie for me as for them as characters and as a couple. Wow. I think you really like get a whole mission statement of what they're both about in this kind of in this moment and it kind of shows you like how they've got in this exact situation you really learn like where nikki's coming from in terms of his stubbornness and kind of like un- like basically like not wanting wouldn't think it hurt his pride yeah and then her kind of like the way she just kind of hopes everything works by sweeping it under instead of dealing with the problem head on she tries to like oh everything's fine because i did this now you know and instead of being like like doing the hard work in the relationship where you actually like deal with shit and talk about it yeah exactly <laughs> have the dialogue it's kind of funny i don't want to i i hate to generalize you know people and groups of people but like it kind of does remind me in a sense of like the Maisel family and how they don't like really directly talk about issues uh-huh. until like it, it blows up yeah yeah it's kind of like what's happening here but it's yeah it's like you know nikki's almost just like a trophy husband to her yeah and She's just trying to, like, what's a quick fix to get it back to that? Because to go back to when, you know, he skips her performance for that gambling, you know, that's, like his mom said, that's a cry for help. Like, that's that's an addict screaming, like, yo, I'm so addicted that, like, I can't even come to your thing. Yeah. But in reality, her main complaints were, like, what do you, how do you think I felt backstage when everyone was asking me, where's Nikki? And I, and I didn't know what to tell them. Like yeah. it was all about image and, you know, she didn't have her super sexy husband to, to be there by, by her side as opposed to thinking of him as like a person. Totally. And so, yeah, this also, this scene like solidified that like, oh yeah, she's never really thought of him as a person mm-hmm. and he's so caught up in his own insecurities that this was never a real relationship to begin with absolutely so what we find out is i forget his name but essentially a good friend of nikki's who runs a poker joint or whatever i don't even know what you call those things it's a club yeah it's a club that's also casino (laughs) he basically comes over and proposes you know nick to have a partner role in a few casinos that they're opening up they're basically expanding yep and is and they're not asking him to put any money down but they just want him to run one of these new new joints yeah but Um, they also offer him a salary on top of a full partnership and ownership exactly and then you know he asks like how much are you guys all putting in and they say like oh fifty thousand fifty thousand and he's like 
why was it free for me? Right. And, you know, they should, he tries to play it off. It's like, it's because you're, you're suave. You're fucking Nicky yeah. Onstein, you know? like. But he's he's pretty smart in this scene. Yeah. He quickly realizes that, you know, Fanny probably has something to do with this. Yeah, yeah. And the way he asked her, too, like, how much did you put up? Yeah, that's why I thought the scene was just really yeah. well acted, really well. And, and also, like, because I kind of bought it, too, where I didn't realize at first that it was Fanny's doing. Like, I mm-hmm. thought, like, oh, he's finally going to have a chance to go legit. And then mm-hmm. I didn't realize that, like, she did. You know, because yeah. it was perfect. It was a legit job still working in the world of a casino that and, he and loves. gambling. But, like, more stability and less insane of just being a professional gambler. You know, like, so yeah. it was kind of perfect. But again, his pride gets in the way and yep. he quickly shuts it down and is furious at Fanny. Yeah. Um, I love like he knew he knew right then and there it was over because she was just like, all right, I was trying to help you, but I did it the wrong way. And he was just like, I really wish you didn't do that. Like, mm. it was just like that was that just changed everything and we could never go back. Like, he's like, yeah. now I know that you don't respect me at all that right. you would that you would do this. Like, and, and like, you know, I, he definitely has a real big amount of pride that he's refuses to let go of but i also do get it too where it's like you know this is all done behind his back not talking to him directly like it can make you feel like a child you know I know, where it's but like, but talk about it and don't just like ruin the relationship yeah exactly you know if you really cared about it um i feel like you could talk it out and that's on both of their ends you know because what he ends up doing is just He's like, all right, well, I'm going to do the complete opposite of what you were trying to get me to do. And I'm going to take this guy's shady deal and try and move with that. Yeah. Because earlier in the movie, one of his shady acquaintances approaches him about a a bond deal. I don't even know what that means, (laughs) but whatever. It's shady and it's illegal and he gets caught and gets arrested for it. Like almost immediately. Yeah, the the (laughs) speed at which he gets arrested, (laughs) arraigned. And then given his sentence, I'm like, yo, what is going on? <laughs> like, like she finds it because she finds out he gets arrested, you know, after a, a show. Yeah, like after a show. And she's just like, what happened? He's like, it's it's Nikki. And, uh, and she was like, what happened? He's like, oh, the cops got him last night doing a bond deal. And she was, so she was just like, so he's in jail? And they were like, yeah. Like, you know, it just went so fast. Yeah. I was like, no bail, no like. <laughs> No couple months before your trial. Like. You're like, this isn't the pace you could have gone in with the first act. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Why is everything I like happening within five seconds? <laughs> but yet, like, her fucking talking in the mirror is, is the first 45 minutes of this movie. Oh, man. <laughs> it was pretty long. But yeah, it does really happen super fast. But the and... movie comments on it, too, because when we're in his court scene, his lawyer is like, your honor, I-, I need extra time. I've literally seen him once since he's been arrested. Like, what the fuck? Like, you know? Like, and- it does, yeah. But Nikki's just like, I- I'm out. Like, yeah, he'd rather go to jail oh, like, than a- have a conversation with Fanny He's like, I'm this. a fucking man. I will not talk about my feelings, and I will just go to jail. Yeah. If I'm not financing all this, yeah. like, if I'm not paying for this house, he's offended by the fact that Fanny's paid the cleaning people, yeah, like, she's, oh, yeah, she starts all their salaries. Debts. Yeah, yeah. Like he's just furious about yeah, it. Like he's he is old school <laughs> man. Like he yeah. is like I will not budge on any other shit. But, I will smoke and die at fifty five. Yeah, <laughs> and it's kind of sad, but he's basically like Fanny. It's over between us. Like just divorce me. It'll be bad press if you stay with me. All this stuff. Yep. Like sort of trying to cater to her, but in like in the saltiest way. Yeah. But what they eventually come to agreement with is that they'll decide together mutually like if he feels this way after he c- gets out of prison then they'll move forward with the separation uh-huh. and that's 
you make the connection here that that's where we find that's where we met Fanny at the beginning of this movie, yeah, yeah. the day that he's been released. Yeah. So I mean, we've gone through quite a journey <laughs> with yeah. Fanny through the through, throughout well, this. Yeah. And we're finally at the place where you know, Nikki and Fanny are reunited in this dressing room. Yep, he shows and, up. Yeah, I mean, what did you think about this scene? Well, the first thing I thought was, "Oh shit, they have a daughter." Just this is the part <laughs> where where she goes, "Have you seen have you seen our little girl yet?" And he's like, "No, nah, I came here first. And I was like, "Oh yeah." He's like, "No, nah, I don't even remember her name." I know, and I was like, "Is she like what, like two or three by now?" Because he went to jail for like two years or eighteen months or something. Yeah. But uh, yeah, the, the scene was interesting. Um, it was the first time I feel like they've ever had the closest thing to a real conversation because mm, yeah. they also have the conversation before he goes to jail. That was mm-hmm. kind of like something similar. And that, that's where she says, uh, you know, like, it's basically up to you. Like, when you get out, you can choose if you still want to be with me. But I don't know. I thought it was I thought it was pretty cool and realistic that they end up coming to... They, like, don't end up getting together, really, at the end of this conversation. Yeah. How did you take it when you were younger? I'm curious. Because I'm sure you were used to movies where, like, the love conquers all. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember having a strong stance on this. I remember being a little sad that they didn't get together, but... I don't think I fully could grasp at that age, like, what was happening. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, like I said, I kind of saw him as, like, not a good guy, but, like, he had a point. Yeah. You know? Like, I saw his point of view. But now, seeing it as an adult, I'm like, yeah, you should have left him, like, years ago. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I have to respect the movie for at least willing to you know, admit that these people are kind of, like, broken, like, both of them for different reasons, mm. and they really shouldn't be together. Because I find, and a, a, the problem I have a lot of, like, movies based on romance, uh, not just rom-coms, but just in general, is that, you know, in order to get good conflict, you want to have two characters who are at odds and, you know, have to work through something. Otherwise, it's a boring movie. If you just find people who are a perfect match, it's right. boring. But a lot of times I watch movies and I'm like, I'm sorry, but the picture you painted are two like people who just shouldn't be together. (laughs) And just because like, yeah, in the third act, they get like one little moment where like everything works out and they're like, Oh yes, we can work through anything. I'm always like, "Eh, you guys are still pretty fucked up for each other. Like you're both selfish for different reasons, blah, blah. And so I always get like, but then the movie makes them get together because it makes the audience feel better, you know, just to see a nice ending where, ah, yay, love. Right. So I like when a movie just has the confidence to be like, no, how about they both just learned a lot on this journey and now they're both better people because of it, but they don't actually have to be together. Mm-hmm. You know, like maybe the next relationship they both find will be the right one because now they know what they shouldn't be looking for. Exactly. You know, like I think I think there's... Like, not every breakup is terrible. Like, like you learn from your breakups. Like, you date people and you realize the kind of person you shouldn't be with, the kind of person you want to be with. Totally. So, you know, I, I, I like that. You know, I think that's a little bit more interesting than just being like, breaking up is sad, staying together is happy. You know? Because yeah. if these two stayed together, I would have been like, oh, fuck, that's going to be a bad future. Yeah, like, you know, like, it's not great. We don't really get to know Nikki too well, but from Fanny's point of view, I can kind of understand why she wanted to hold on to this because it's really... I think it's hard for your first to sort of let go of that because there's you kind of have an insecurity like, am I ever going to feel this way with somebody else ever again? And it's like the first one was the right choice. You want it to always be the right choice. I can totally get where she's coming from, Mm -hmm. but I'm glad she gets to the point where she sort of lets everything go. But her sort of conclusion and feelings is encompassed by this last ballad, My Man. Yep. Which, fun fact, was almost the name of this movie, musical, stage play. Really? Yeah. Nah, which I hate. <laughs> because my man makes it about the man, yeah. which is not about. 
I mean, it is about, but it's more about her growth yeah. rather than the man. And also, I would have been a lot madder at the movie for taking an hour and 45 minutes to get to her man <laughs> if it was called My Man. Yeah. Like, it was called Funny Girls. I wasn't that mad that, like, all right, she's being funny and, like, it's her career. She's a girl. Yeah, yeah, like, it fits. <laughs> nah. <laughs> nah, it's not that stupid, but you know what I mean? Like, I would have just been like, yo, let's wrap it up. Yeah, yeah. And... Again, this My Man is a song that fan, the real Fanny Bryce was known for. Nice. What I didn't know about this scene is they actually shot this live. Like, she's not lip syncing in this scene. Oh, really? Barbara Streisand hated lip syncing. Yeah. She made this very clear to the director, and they filmed it live. And what I failed to mention earlier is that Omar and Barbara actually had an affair during the filming of Funny Girl. Oh, dip. So they were actually romantically involved, and I don't know how, but they, were, they somehow were ending their relationship at the same time they were rapping, filming this movie. Whoa. So the director was like, why not have Omar in the curtains while she's performing this live? So that way it sort of gets her emotions running and uh-huh. she's actually singing this song to Omar wow. about their relationship at the same time acting about her feeling towards Nikki in yeah, the movie. Yeah. So it ended up being this whole thing that sort of wrapped up perfectly nice. in her performance there, which... To this day, this performance always gives me goosebumps. I love it. Nice. And Barbara Streisand's voice. I mean, I'm, I'm not the first one to say that it's fantastic. Exactly. So. And I love how she's in all black. The background is black. And all you see is her head and her hands. Yeah, it was cool. So, yeah, that's that's funny, girl. Second, <laughs> second act wraps up so quick. Yo, it wraps up. I called it the Karate Kid wrap-up. It was... <laughs> They faded to black and got to those credits as fast as possible. They were like, we're done, we're done, we did it, we did it. <laughs> like, nothing, no. You don't, nothing. Get, you don't get the mom, nothing, no Mr. Miyagi. <laughs> I couldn't find anywhere to pepper this in, and it's kind of stupid, but two, like, sitcom characters, I've definitely, like, seen some influence from Barbara Streisand now that I've seen her young. The way on 30 Rock when Jenna Maroney just belts out singing and always calls herself a star. Uh-huh. I just I just felt like it had to have been somewhat influenced by this movie or Barbara Streisand. Just, <laughs> yeah. just like that style of like, oh, like just like out of nowhere, you know? The ballad, yeah. yeah. I hear you sing. I didn't know that. Why don't you sing something for me? Oh, no. Nobody wants to hear that. I do. Some folks like to get away, take a holiday from the neighborhood. Hop a flight to Miami Beach or to Hollywood. Let's get out of here. Is that a real song? And then also, more so, like, I feel like it looks, but also a little bit in the character in Book of Nine-Nine, but Chelsea Pretty kind of looks like uh, a like young Barbara? Barbara Streisand. Oh. I could see her. And then just the way Gina Linetti's always, like, singing and being a star. And, you know, like, yeah. it just that seemed to have some funny girl influence. Yeah, she definitely has the confidence of Fanny Bryce. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, I don't know. It just, those are stupid, but I just, I like, recognized it. I was That's like, pretty oh, I'm funny. Seeing, I'm getting good Chelsea Pretty and fucking Jenna Maroney. I like that a lot. Alright, so should we just uh, dive into best worst? Yeah, let's do it. Alright, I'm gonna go first because I feel like you're probably gonna have more than me. Okay. And I'm going easy one. Best so- worst song. <laughs> yeah, of course. It's a given, right? <laughs> yeah, right. You gotta do it every musical. Yeah. Um, honestly, I kinda like the blue over you. Ooh. Yeah, I just thought it was just like just a jaunty tune. I enjoyed, I enjoyed it. That's awesome. Yeah. That was I was not expecting you to say that. Oh snap! What were you thinking I was gonna say? I I don't know. I I mean I think 
one that everyone w- or most people would go for is um, Don't Rain on My Parade. Yeah, that's fun. But yeah, that's pretty cool that I you went know, for that I don't one. know why that one just stuck out to me. Mm. And there was a lot of songs, so it's like, you know, so they started blending together a little bit. Yeah. So that one just stuck out among the rest. That's awesome. What about you? Mine is I'm the Greatest Star. Nice. It gives me goosebumps every yeah, time. Yeah, I think you pretty much said it. Yeah. I also feel like we're both going to have the same worst. I think so, too. Man, woman, blues yes. or whatever I, it's not man, woman, blues. <laughs> It's I, I I don't even know if this is the right title, but it's I am you are woman I am man. I almost said I am woman you are man. <laughs> you are woman I am man. Hear me roar or whatever. Okay. <laughs> I I assume that it's part of the original musical, but I don't know what it is. It's not really the performance. I think Omar did fine. I just yeah. the song as a song just yeah, it's like whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Dumb. All right. What else you got? Cool. So I actually wrote down best worst joke. Ooh. I know it might be a little hard for a first time watch. Yeah, it's gonna be hard because they, they they come like a mile a minute, and a lot of them are kind of old timey, like yeah, just like nah, 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 you know, like so nothing was like terrible that stuck out to me. Worst is gonna be hard because I, I don't have it. I don't have it verbatim by any means. So honestly, I think I might go with what I said earlier, just because it made me laugh. Was the when she's reading the sign with the I'm one of the eight beautiful girls, eight, yeah, <laughs> and the guy's like looking at her like, but you're ugly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. No, that's that's a good joke. Yeah. I like it. I don't know why this always makes me laugh, but it's, I'm a bagel on a plate full of onion rolls. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's pretty good. Worst? I don't know. I mean, there were some cheesy ones, but like, I don't even remember them. <laughs> you know? Do you have a worst joke? I actually don't have a worst joke. Hmm. Didn't come up with uh, a worst. Come on. I came up with a worst for the last one. You should come up with them for all of them. <laughs> okay. I'm thinking. Okay, why don't we do this? I feel like there's one instance where Omar's character is like, you are a funny girl. <laughs> yeah, it was like the end of the movie. It was like the... So that? Uh, I guess. It's uh, not really a joke. I mean, what are you going to pick? I don't know. I didn't even come up with a category. You had all day to think of this in your whole <laughs> life to watch this movie. Maybe when... Uh... When she's all the reporters are asking her about Nikki Olstein, she just Nikki Onstein or whatever. I oh yeah, use, her husband. Yes, and uh, and then she just keeps like deflecting them. I can't. Like, I remember. I feel like in there there was just something that was like, like. Yeah, well, I, I there was one that I remember where they're like, "How do you feel about your husband going to prison?" And she she's like, "Well, at least I'll know where he is nights." Yeah, exactly. Like so, those aren't bad, but they're just like, eh, you know, like yeah. they're just like so. Well, she's one of saying those. them to distract. Yeah, them. I'm gonna cheat and say one of those. Like, okay. I, I got nothing. All right. Do you have another one? Um, I was just kind of thinking, like, actually, I didn't really come. Well, I don't really have a worse for this one either. Insert. Look how the turntables from the office. Yeah, I was gonna say like best worst side character, and I'm doing it more from like a writing standpoint, like from like a movie, not not from like oh he's a good guy or something or a good good person. Okay. So I think I have to give it to the mom and runner up for Ziegfeld because I actually really like. The relationship mm. her and Ziegfeld ended up having the whole movie. Yeah. Like, it was, like, a very, like, respectful relationship by the end. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, that's great. Um, but I gotta go to the mom, because she was, like, the voice of reason for the whole I'm thing. gonna tag team on the mom, yeah. for sure. Um, And then the other one, I just don't really know why he was included as much as he was. Was her, like, best friend guy, who, like, we only... We see him, like, four or five times. Yeah. Which isn't a lot, but it's, like, more than 
nobody. <laughs> so, but like he had nothing to do with the plot at all. I thought at some point he was going to be the one who was like in love with her or something like that. Uh, and like he just is like there every once in a while just for like someone to talk to. He helps her get in shape after yeah. her pregnancy. Yeah. So I'm just saying, but like from like a story standpoint, if you're writing this. Like, I don't really know what he's adding. And if you took him out of it and his scenes out of it, you could have found a way to put that dialogue somewhere else. That's So fair. that's why I think he's, I've seen it worse, just because he had no impact on the story at all. Totally. Actually, now that I think about it, in terms of storytelling, if we're looking at it from that angle, I might have to agree with you there. Because yeah. everybody else kind of has a purpose. Yeah. So. Like, they, they either move the plot forward or they yeah. help, like, reveal something about our main characters like i think like i don't even know like why they're friends or how they're friends like i'm with they're from the same neighborhood but like we don't know anything well he's the guy who hires her oh yeah 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 um, vaudeville theater yeah so that's why he sort of that could have been his only scene you know like the fact that he stuck around like there's never like oh you were my only friend or like i learned something by having you in my life like nothing like i i think i might have to agree with you there then officially that's all I got anymore for you. Cool. I just have one more best worst fashion trend. <laughs> okay. And it's really just so I can mention the hats. I'm not even a hat person, but yeah. I really love the hats. And I find them so interesting, especially Barbara Streisand's hats, because they perfectly fit her hairstyles. Uh-huh. Because she has like this like weird high bowl yeah like, round hair and like she wears a lot of round hats that perfectly fit that yeah so i i, I don't know i i like the hats nice that's <laughs> pretty so that's your best yeah nice i'm gonna go best worst both with nickel and einstein 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 i think most of the movie 90 percent of the time crushing it has a great sense of fashion uh-huh. probably the best Puffy shirt's got to go. No pirates around me. So no I think, pirates around me. I think the, pir- the pirate shirt's got to go. Worst fashion. So he gets best and worst. This pirate trend that she's come up with, Jerry, this this is going to be the new look for the 90s. You're going to be the first pirate. <laughs> but I don't want to be a pirate. It's because he didn't put a little starch in it. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> what, uh, what's your worst? I The dresses. Yeah. Well, I think specifically the dress that she wears when they're on the date. Uh-huh. Because it's such a weird, like, it reminded me as of one of the stepsisters' dresses in the Cinderella movie, in Roger and Hammerstein's yeah, Cinderella. Yeah, yeah. It's just, like, weird, like, why is it shaped like this? Weird. <laughs> I don't know. It was just very strange. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, and my, I guess, runner-up for worst is the weird bride musical where they're all like <laughs> i'm a pretty bride look at my pretty <laughs> creeps me out i don't like it that is not how the song goes <laughs> it at was all. pretty close <laughs> okay i am from june until noon i'm the bride it was like that they were rhyming months with other words i gotta go beyond now <laughs> <laughs> kind of based on what i was saying before with the movie having the balls to be like these two aren't right for each other I kind of just think that each of them kind of goes and has the most meaningful relationship in their lives after this. Mm. So I think this kind of prepared them to go like know what kind of person they want to be with. And so I do think they live happily ever after, but like with separate people having grown from this. And I think Fanny Bryce probably just continues crushing it on stage until she's probably old. I don't know what the real Fanny Bryce did, but that's what my guess. Yeah. That's what I like to think. In a realistic way, I mean, who knows? Nick Arnstein might get like stabbed in a fucking <laughs> poker den one night. You know, like he just might, right. he might just like die on the streets in a fancy suit. You know, that's probably more realistic. Yeah. But the way in movie world, I like to think <laughs> that uh, he grew from this, and uh, they're both gonna be cool. Yeah. 
I have to reveal that this movie ended up having a sequel. Oh my god, really? Yeah. It's called Funny Lady. Oh shit, really? Because she's no longer a girl. Is it Streisand? It's Streisand. That's hysterical. There's um, a sequel to this. And Omar comes back. What? Yep. Have you seen this? I have, but I will admit that I only saw it once and I remember not liking it. Uh, and I don't I think it's because none of the songs stuck out to me. Like to this day, I can't even like hum a song that I remember from that movie. And it really follows Fanny Bryce. Her career continues. When did it come out? It came out in 1975. All right. So, yeah. Um, And it was pretty successful. I mean, it made 40 million. It had an 8.5 million dollar budget. Yeah. But I think like once you have Barbara Streisand, it's kind of like. Exactly. Especially by the time in the 70s, like every decade, you know, like that time she was getting bigger every time. Yeah, exactly. 70s and 80s was peak. So, yeah, I, I, I'd be curious to try and watch it today, but she has another love interest, uh-huh. and I think it's her managing that relationship, and then Nick comes back into the picture, so it's kind of like that like love triangle kind of thing, uh-huh. um, from what I remember. Have you done a watch the trailer? Yeah. But I think that Fanny's career continues to thrive. I agree with you there, and I think that she grows from this. Yeah. And I think it's just a matter of her finding a person that is as independent as she is yep. because she's definitely not a person who needs to be codependent on anything. Like I said, going back to my theory on that song, people who need people are the luckiest people in the world. Like yep. she's not one of those people. I think she needs to find someone who is like her mm-hmm. and, um, you know, to raise her child with her as well. So yeah, that's about it. I think, you know, music aside, I just love that this movie, even though it is about, a relationship you know her dealing with a relationship and balancing that with her career it really positions a woman who is strong-willed um who knows her talents and her strengths and is just it kind of like positions her more as a person dealing with her flaws and her relationships rather than a woman dealing with these things and i think that barbara streisand of course does this role perfectly like i can't imagine anybody singing all of these ballads as well as she can. Um, so the songs are so powerful. And I think the role of a woman in this movie at that time, you know, being so independent and sort of challenging a man's roles in the 60s yeah. is kind of like amazing. Mm-hmm. That, like, I, I don't know why we're not talking about that aspect of it more, but just the fact that, you know, Nikki, yes, he's like a gambling dude or whatever but like if you really take it back like we're asking men to not to we're asking we're challenging men's roles in this movie and their their pride yeah which i really love and i think it's one of the things that i thought that you'd appreciate with watching this movie especially like it being made in that time um i thought that you'd appreciate the music i thought that you'd appreciate how this movie was filmed and sort of the weird things and weird approaches to like certain shots like we talked about the still frame i i don't even know is it a jib shot like the the don't rain on my parade the ship shot like i don't know there's just so many things for that time helicopter shot i don't even know yeah so i i don't know i thought you'd appreciate the cinematography and just the storytelling in general you always talk about how you know you hate rom-coms um they don't really get into like the weeds in a real relationship and like real challenges and i think this movie really does 
So with that being said, Andy, I've got to know, do you love what I love? I love it. So you raised some good points. First thing that comes to my head when you bring those up is I agree with you that it is pretty cool the that this movie was kind of challenging the way men's roles and women's roles in relationships for 1968 was pretty radical. And it's even more interesting by putting it in the perspective of a, like a famous woman, especially in, in entertainment, because that's been going on forever. I mean, mm. you know, like the, the standard tradition is that the man supports the woman, even though there's 10 million examples of when that doesn't happen, but it's just, it's a tradition. And then, so I have to imagine whenever you would have a very famous, like a pop star or a singer or, or an actress who can pay her own way, it, it, she probably had to have had rocky relationships or had to look really hard to find a person who, a guy who wouldn't feel insecure by that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and we're still even getting movies like that today. Like that's that's the whole thesis of whatever. Uh, call me by your call me your mate. Fuck, what's the name of that movie? Oh, call me maybe. No, that's not what it's called. Yeah, always be my maybe. Always be my maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking. I'm thinking of that song Friday. I know. I know. So call me maybe. My bad. <laughs> Here's my number. <laughs> and that's not the song Friday either. <laughs> the song is Friday. <laughs> oh wait, Jesus Christ! All right. <laughs> Wow. Oh, Jesus. And, you know, when we're still even exploring those topics in movies today, I mean, that's what that whole rom-com, call me... (laughs) Call me by your name. Call me by your maybe? Always be my maybe. okay. So call me maybe. And that's, you know, something we're exploring in movies even today. I mean, that's what that, you know, somewhat recent rom-com, Always Be My Maybe on Netflix was about. You know, she's Mm -hmm. a successful woman and a guy who, you know, has to come to terms with not being the, you know... Not looking like a man by standing next to a powerful woman, you know. Right. Um, so yeah, that is pretty cool that they ca- they tackled this in in the sixties. I was just gonna say the exact same thing that I always say that you already brought up about you know not being that interested in meet cutes and more interested in in like making a relationship work. Right. So I thought that was pretty cool, and I and like I said, you know, when they got into that stuff, it was really into it, but. You know, I'll keep explaining why, but unfortunately, Master, the short answer is no, I don't love Funny Girl. Okay. Um, But I liked everything I just said, and I think my two biggest gripes, and one, I've been harping on it this whole episode, so I'm not even going to go too much into (laughs) it, but I do think the second hour, the last hour is really interesting, and I think these characters are really dynamic, and I really like what they did there. That hour and 45 leading up to it, it just took too long for me. Like, mm-hmm. I just, the idea of rewatching this movie just doesn't sound that fun to me because I just, I know. it's And it's funny. Like, it's not that any of it was, like, bad. Like, I, didn't, I can't even think of a specific thing where I'm like, cut this out because you're wasting my time. Right. It's just, like, it just moved at a very slow pace. Like, it was just, like, a lot of meandering about sometimes. And, you know, Barbara yeah. Streisand is funny. I think, you know, she carries this movie. I think for a movie this long... She's almost always the one on camera. Yes. And that's difficult to pull off. So I think she does a good job. And you're right. She does sing beautifully. But at the end of the day, just when it comes to my musical tastes, whatever you would call this kind of music isn't really my favorite. Mm. So I don't know. You know me. Like when it comes to musicals, I tend to dig stuff that's either a genre that I like, which is why like Hamilton was the coolest thing to me. Yeah. Because it was hip hop infused. Or it's either got to be like funny, or at least a little bit more like lighthearted, like a like a Matilda, or like a '97 Cinderella, or a Willy Wonka. Yeah. Like you know, those aren't necessarily hilarious, but 
they're just or I like don't, a book of mormon that makes you laugh yeah like that that's like just hysterical so yeah. like that i love and this is like very traditional so yeah. you know it's it's just it's just good old-fashioned singing and it's beautiful like i like when i listen to, to like literally her hit notes i'm like that sounds good but like the overall composition of the songs while they are great and people who love them should love them because they're really good music is just it's hard it's a comedy to me like it either it either hits my bone or it doesn't and mm-hmm. like on this one i was it wasn't like greece like greece had a very high energy i like my musicals to be high energy and that's because i'm not a musical guy mm-hmm. and you know i don't i don't think i have a sophisticated palette when it comes to musicals like i know i'm a pretty boring like i like the i like the easy to digest stuff you know and so for me i think this is just like it's a little too technical for me to be like, I love this. Like, it's more just like, this is good, but I'm not, I didn't really walk away singing too many songs the way I have the past musicals we've done on this. Okay. Like I, I couldn't get grease out of my head while I was sleeping that night, you know, like this, I didn't really have that necessarily with this. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just because the, if the music didn't connect with me. It doesn't make it bad. It's just, it didn't connect with me. And then I thought it slogged for an hour and 45. And I think if we trimmed, you know, probably 35 minutes off this bad boy, made it two hours and five, two hours and 10. Maybe we'd be we'd be getting somewhere. I completely understand, and I actually, as an editor, I can see points where we could have trimmed <laughs> some scenes for sure. It actually, sorry, to just a quick, so I don't forget. It actually surprised me when you said it was written as a screenplay first, because to me, it like it reeked so much of an adaptation. <laughs> where I'm like, yo, I feel like they were too true to the stage version. Well, it was a, a a screenplay first, and then they changed it to a play, and then they rewrote uh, the play okay, into cool. a screenplay. Yeah, because this seemed like it, it was like I, I haven't seen the play, but it seemed like it was like very faithful to it, mm-hmm. to the point where I was like, you're actually making a worse movie. Because in plays, it works. Like, you want your play to be three hours. Like, you know, like, they're, they're long. Yeah. You paid a lot of money. Like, you want to... I, I like a long play. I, I never have that complaint. Like, why am I here for three hours? <laughs> but with a movie, you got to be a little tighter. You gotta, unless, yeah. Unless unless there's a lot of meat on the bone. And I think the last hour has a lot of meat. First hour is just, like... It's funny. In- entertaining. Yeah, just a lot of, like... You know, it's like... Performance, success, meet Nick. Performance, success, meet Nick. Performance, success, meet Nick. You know, and it was just like... <laughs> I was like, okay, like... Is this movie about him or isn't it? You know, right? Yeah. You know what? You bring some valid points. I understand that. So I'm I can't be mad at you yeah, there. But I enjoyed watching it. It was cool to see Streisand. It was cool to get a little taste of her career for the first time in my life. Yeah, um, I can't believe I'm the one who's yeah, interviewed. Exactly. That's so crazy. And uh, you know, and it's also pretty rare that you show me movies like pre the '90s. So like, I like <laughs> to see stuff like this that you're into. Yeah, so I, I dig it. This is one of those weird ones where I'm like, I don't expect myself. I'm surprised at myself that I love this movie, yeah. but I freaking do. I, but I get it. I mean, she's dynamic, man. I get why yeah. she's a star. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, that's our show, everybody. Thanks for listening. If you enjoy our podcast, be sure to subscribe and tell a friend. Also, if you have any opinions on what we discuss, follow us on social media at LWIL Podcast. And as always, if you have the time, please take a moment to rate and review. Every bit of feedback helps. I'm Andy. I'm Masha, and I hope you love what I love.